You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what's going on everybody welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast part of the pigskin podcast network you can find them at pigskin podnet on twitter or you can search the hashtag tppn matt is here with me and we've got a loaded show for you guys we are going to recap the browns incredible 32 to 13 win over the cincinnati Bengals. we will preview what is likely going to be a beatdown of the Eagles beating up the Texans on Thursday night football. And we will go over everything that happened on the NFL trade deadline yesterday. Before we jump into all that, though, Matt, how are you doing on this wonderful Wednesday? You know, anytime your team can trade one of their best pass rushers to get a quality RB3, I, I mean, I think you've got to <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. You know what? I'm very excited. The Denver Broncos literally cannot lose this week. Yeah, that's how I felt. Uh, Neither can the Browns. The Browns and oh, the Broncos right. are week. definitely yeah. not going to lose this week. It's going to be a good week. Well, it's going to be even more interesting. Is I mean, technically, we get Deshaun Watson back. That's um, I think it's right after the bye, isn't it? Or is it one no. week after the bye? Now you have. Three more games. Three more. I thought it was only a ten game suspension. How it's did eleven he... game suspension? Uh... Week thirteen against the Texans. Yippee! All right. Well, that's a little. I mean, I don't really care either way. But... Well, that's why most people think it wasn't a twelve game suspension. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the trades. We'll start right there with the Bradley Chubb trade. Um, obviously, your team. 
Um, interesting trade. Good for Chubb, I guess, and the fact that he's going to get an extension going to Miami, who is a contender. Uh, what are your thoughts on the trade? I believe you guys ended up with, uh, was it Chase Edmonds? Am I correct? Yeah, Chase Edmonds. So, I, you know, um, I did a uh, stock watch trade deadline with, you know, stock up, stock down. I would say it's a stock down move for Chase Edmonds. You know, this offseason he went and got a lucrative free agent contract to potentially be the guy in Miami. Uh, that hasn't worked out. 2.9 yards per carry will do that to you. 42 carries, 200 or 120 yards uh, and two touchdowns so far this season. So obviously it was expendable there. I don't really know exactly how he fits into Denver's offense, the milieu of running back that includes Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, and Dennis's boy, Marlon Mack. I'm guessing he'll do some of the Mike Boone things, maybe be a receiver. It's not been the most high volume offense. So that was curious. I think Denver really did it to get the first round pick, which was San Francisco's first round pick and um, the fourth round pick. But I, you know, Denver has some other potential pass rushers. Bradley Chubb was in a contract here. I think they, I didn't think they were going to try to re-sign him. And I think this pretty well confirms that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's not a horrible thing. I mean, Denver definitely not, at least where they probably expected to be at this point in time coming into the bye week. So you move on from a player, you're probably not going to re-sign. At least you get something back, some draft capital. Again, I don't, I don't know that Chase Edmonds is going to do much for you guys. So, yeah. The fact they didn't move Jerry Judy is probably more of an indication of um, that they haven't totally given up because there was a lot of talk. Chubb was going, Judy was going, a couple other pieces would go. All right, so before we jump into the next trade, we've got a question here. My team quarterback is Kirk Cousins, running backs Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, wide receivers Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Kadarius Toney, tight end Taysom Hill. I have the option of trading D Hop for Chubb. Should I do it? Record is six and two PPR. I'm going to say no because if you yeah. end up having to start Kadarius Tony, I maybe you are one of those people that thinks Kadarius Tony is going to take off. I don't think he's going to be fantasy viable with Kansas City. So. I wouldn't because DeAndre Hopkins has been, I mean, he is the Arizona passing offense. We've seen the entire time he's been there with Kyler Murray for the most part. Kyler Murray hyper-targets him. You mentioned PPR. While Nick Chubb is amazing, I will never argue that he is not. He is, in my opinion, the best pure running back in the NFL. He is not going to bring you a ton of PPR value because he's rarely going to catch passes, especially now that the Browns did not trade Kareem Hunt either. He is still there, so he is likely going to continue to secure that uh, receiving down role for the Browns. Hopkins is going to, I think, end up being a – like he won't be a top 12 wide receiver because he couldn't play for six straight games, although he might if he keeps putting up weeks like he did earlier. He's uh, wide receiver three the last two weeks, so – so I, I would not move D-Hop for Chubb straight up. Now, if this was like a dynasty league and they were offering you a little bit more, maybe, but I, I would definitely keep DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's a – you're set, in my opinion, with Eckler and Henry. I don't think you need to add Chubb. I, I would much rather keep the pairings of Eckler, Henry, and Devontae and D-Hop personally. All right, so let's let's tail off the um, the Chase Edmonds trade with Jeff Wilson. So yeah. Mike McDaniels calls up his old buddy, 
Kyle Shanahan's like, hey, you got Christian McCaffrey. You don't need Jeff Wilson anymore, who's been actually fairly good for them before he came over. Send him our way so that he can get paired with Raheem Mostert, bring the band back together kind of thing. For those of you who don't know, Mike McDaniels was the run game coordinator for the 49ers the past couple years who's had Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Now he gets both of them in Miami. What does this do for you, for both of them, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, in their fantasy value for at least the rest of the 2022 season? So I think, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit similar to when they were in San Francisco. Mostert is the guy until he can't stay healthy, which unfortunately has been a recurring theme for him. For Wilson, it's probably stock up a little bit because with McCaffrey in town and Elijah Mitchell potentially coming off IR soon, it was looking like his option for touches was really going to go down there. I think he has an option to be involved in uh, Miami. They obviously like him as a better fit. I think it's also totally stocked down for Elijah Mitchell because a lot of people thought Mitchell was the one that would get traded and get the opportunity. He likely stays and is little more than a change of pace handcuff guy. Yeah, I if you've got Jeff Wilson on your roster, I'm not dropping him at this point because as you mentioned, all it takes is a Raheem Mostert injury, and we've seen how effective Jeff Wilson can be. Um, but I, I don't know that you can start Wilson right now. What sucks about that trade, I'll be a hundred percent honest with everybody here. I didn't realize that that trade went down. I just saw that Chase Edmonds got traded. So in a 24 team league. I paid a hundred dollars to get Miles Gaskin, who was still on the uh, Oops. waiver wire, because I was like, "Oh, hey, I'm going to get the backup to Raheem Mostert in case he gets you." Yep, yeah, no, not anymore. Good thing is I already have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, so now I just have like the entire Miami backfield locked up. Uh, but yeah, I I think it is a a good move for Wilson. Like, if it's a best ball league, I really think he could be good for you because there will be weeks that he has like really good games. But unless Mostert gets hurt, I I kind of agree with Matt here. Like, I, I don't know what his fantasy value is going to be let's stick with the last running back trade here um which i do think is interesting naheem hines gets moved from the indianapolis colts to the buffalo bills now the bills we knew were trying to get a good receiving back they were in on jd mckissick before he ended up leaving he had like from everything we had been told, kind of like pretty much had signed the deal, right? And then goes back to Washington because they offer him more money. They draft James Cook, where there was some podcast out here telling you, don't buy into that. Don't buy into the new CEH because that's kind of what this was. Now they go out and get Naheem Hines. Let's let's go from the Buffalo side first, then we'll move over to the Indy side. What does this do for Naheem Hines for you and James Cook? Because they they give Zach Moss. I should have mentioned Zach Moss goes from Buffalo to Indianapolis. What does this do for Hines and Cook, though? And Singletary, I guess. Yeah. So this is a tough one. I think for me, it was nominal stock up for Moss. Uh, just because his value seems to be completely dead in Buffalo. I mean, he's been a healthy scratch last year. This year, he seemed to be totally phased out. They have Jonathan Taylor. It's probably a boost for Deion Jackson. They probably saw what they had in Deion Jackson and liked him. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more involved in this. has been kind of pounding that drum before. But at least Moss has a potential chance with a coach who's used multiple backs. For Hines, it feels like a better NFL move than a fantasy move. Um, because as you mentioned, Singletary and Cook already split the touches and neither of them has exactly 
been putting up incredibly reliable or robust points. I think last week both of them had like eight or nine points because they both got a couple receptions and some rushing yardage. The other thing is Josh Allen is still Buffalo's best short yardage and running back. They also have a robust passing game of Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and Dawson Knox, among others. I think Hines will contribute some. It makes sense for a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl to make sure they have depth and a lot of different options. But for fantasy, I I think this knocks Hines out of a weekly start consideration for me, especially for a couple of weeks. We need to see how this running back rotation is going to work because Cook was just starting to get more snaps. What does this do to all three of them? Yeah, I still think Singletary is fine because Hines, in my opinion, is not the in-between-the-tackles runner that either Cook or Singletary is. I mean, Singletary is the best of the three. Where I do, I do think it hurts Cook. I think they bring in, I've kind of tried to learn and and move on the NFL side of things toward this, like let the NFL teams tell you what they really think about these players. They don't bring in Naheem Hines if they feel that good about James Cook personally. I do think it's good for Hines in the fact that he was really good with Indy the past couple years and like that hurry up offense. He is obviously a very good receiver. He is a good running back. Uh, between the tackles, not great, but he is really good in that fast-paced offense, and he is a pretty good pass blocker as well. So I think when they get into like those hurry-up modes where it did seem like Devin Singletary kind of struggled, maybe Hines goes out there, but you can't expect that from an entire game. So I'm with you. Like I don't know how you when you're going to start Naheem Hines, unfortunately. Again, I go back to the point of like I think he is a like best ball, great best ball option. Cause there's going to be weeks where like Singletary gets you five, six points and Hines gets you like 20 because just like he did, Jonathan Taylor, they get down in the red zone. They put Hines in, he gets you a couple rushing touchdowns or a rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown and ends up having a great day, but I'm kind of with you there. Um, and I believe he's close to coming up on a contract too. So I don't know that he resigns with Buffalo. So like, we don't know what his future will be. I don't think they're bringing him in and then resigning him. And James Cook is just completely dead. But I do think right now Cook is kind of like you can't play Cook at all. And and the, I mean, go ahead. The real question for me is what happens with Singletary is we've talked about him being in a contract here and we figure they just keep Cook and Moss. Maybe that's not entirely what they do. I'd be very curious. I don't, I don't know what to think about Singletary because he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great. He's been good, right? Like, and I don't want to say like he's been good as like that's a knock on him. It's not like he's been much better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. But I don't know that he's. I mean, maybe he doesn't command that much money, so Buffalo brings him back. Like, I wouldn't be surprised with as good as I think the twenty twenty three running back classes if they don't just draft another guy to to kind of be that. Um, that may be a little bit more explosive than he is to kind of be their workhorse, but we'll see. I don't think Hines is it, and I don't think Cook's it. So they're going to have to find something uh, there for that. On the indie side, we had hoped that this was going to be great things for Jonathan Taylor, but, I mean, when Deion Jackson was out there, he got more receptions in a game than I think like Taylor has gotten sometimes in a full year, it seems like. Taylor is also injured right now. It seems like he may not even play this weekend. So, like, this is a you must. If you have not, Dynasty League's Deion Jackson's roster at this point because of what he did earlier in the year. If you're in a redraft league and someone had Deion Jackson and dropped him, you're picking him up now, right? Like, he has to be rostered. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's a boost to Jackson 
more than anything else. But it's it's an opening for Moss. You know, maybe Moss needed to change the scenery. We've seen it before. Nah, he's he's bad. I, I don't know. I, I don't think the change of scenery is going to help him much. Uh, but I'm with you on Deion Jackson. And let's hope Taylor plays because just kind of what if if you've rostered Jonathan Taylor, you've been hoping for for a long time is like, can we get Naheem Naheem Hines out of here? Because Frank Reich has a very weird, unhealthy obsession with him. Will not give Jonathan Taylor the ball, and then he's gone, and it seems like Deion Jackson's gonna finally be got rid of Jordan Wilkins. Finally got rid of Marlon yeah. Mack. Finally got rid of Neheim Hines. Still have now Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, Jackson. Philip yeah. Lindsay. Gotta love Frank Wright. Probably right? somebody else out there. No, apparently the Colts don't love Frank Wright as much as they yeah. used to. I mean, someone's been calling for him to get fired for like the past two years. I wouldn't. He fired I mean, his offensive that, coordinator, which honestly is usually the first bad sign. I, yeah. I still don't understand moving to Ellinger. It feels like a give up move. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't. I don't ever really want to see anybody get fired. Um, TJ Hawkinson. This one kind of surprised me. You do not typically see in division trades, especially with a player like this. I mean, uh-huh. TJ Hawkinson. While he has not quite been this like high end tight end one, the fantasy community had hoped he would be when he came out of college. He's been good. Irv Smith goes down. I believe he's now been put on IR. I mean, he has, and they're thinking eight to ten weeks. So he's probably done at this yeah, point, which makes the trade make a little more sense. What are we thinking about this from the? Uh, we'll do Detroit. Now, let's do Detroit first because it's a little bit more depressing. Is there a tight end that you want there or because of the wide receiver room you have, you're just kind of fading? I mean, they got Amon Raw. Jamison Williams apparently is going to be back soon for them. The rookie wide receiver is just kind of all in on the wide receivers and Swift. Yeah, we haven't really seen any tight ends step up uh, even when Hawkinson's been out really. So there isn't a, a Detroit tight end that I want. And I think it's Probably better for Amon Rahm. You know, maybe Josh Reynolds remains relevant. They still have Swift. Hopefully, hopefully Jamison Williams comes back. I get it for the Lions. They're one and six. Probably going to be one and seven. Honestly, playing Green Bay. Um, no, this, they've been the most know. disappointing team for me because I thought they'd be. I didn't think they'd be incredible, but I thought they'd be frisky. I really loved what I thought I was seeing. Uh, they have a lot of issues. I'm a little fascinated that they traded a young tight end in Hawkinson when offense seemed to be what they had going for them and they need to build defense, but trying to get some draft capital. Um, on the flip side for me, I really struggled with this when I was doing it. I'm going to say stock slightly down for Hawkinson. I get the talent and maybe after a couple of weeks, we'll see that the Vikings adjust and stuff. But what, what concerns me, um, you know, is we've seen Kevin O'Connell um, coming out of that Rams system. He had Higby, and Higby sometimes had huge games. He had Higby and Everett. Sometimes they would each have huge games. That wasn't a total feature of the offense. In Detroit, TJ Hawkinson was often a focal point uh, of the passing offense. You know, Amon Ra was there. They have Swift. But Hawkinson was number two in targets for them. Um, and was a big piece. In Minnesota, the clear number one focus in the passing offense is Justin Jefferson. 
And then it's everyone else. And I get that Minnesota, you know, is seventh in pass attempts so far in the NFL, which is a little better than where Detroit's sitting. But they also have Thielen. They have K.J. Osborne. They have Dalvin Cook. So to me, Hawkinson then slots into that group of others. And we've talked about a few times, two, maybe three of them are fantasy relevant every week, but not usually everyone. And so what is that going to do for your confidence in playing Hawkinson? He goes from somewhere where you feel good that he's a tight end one who's going to get volume. He got 10 more targets than Irv Smith in the seven games that they played in each spot. I'm not sure that's an aberration. So I'm going to be very curious to see how this works out because I think he could end up being the number two option. Adam Thielen, I think, is kind of on the sunset of his career. K.J. Osborne, I, I, I'm pretty sure like all three of us, I know I, I was in on him. I thought he was going to have a great year. He is not. He has been extremely disappointing. We know Dalvin Cook's going to get the ball, as you may, as well as Justin Jefferson. They had a pretty good connection, Cousins and Jordan Reed, a very good athletic tight end in Washington for a long time. You mentioned Higby. I think... Uh, the reason I believe they brought TJ Hawkinson over is because he's a complete tight end. Not only is he a very good offensive weapon, he's a very good blocker as well. And I think that matters, obviously, for Dalvin Cook. But I could honestly see him being the number two option behind Justin Jefferson, where I agree with you that he may lose targets. Maybe he gets boosted up a little bit more in, like, efficiency in the fact that, like, maybe they target him a little bit more down in the red zone. They get him a couple more options. Because the one thing I will say with Detroit is why we, we like Amon Raw and Jameson Williams is coming back, and they had DJ Chark for like two games before he unfortunately got injured. We know defenses, defenses were focusing in on Swift and Hawkinson. They can't do that here. They have to focus in on Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen and Hawkinson are probably right there on the next best person, that, or Dalvin Cook, obviously, as well. Probably like the next best that these defenses are focusing in on. So I agree with you that he's probably taking a dip in targets and probably a big one because he's not going to be the focal point. I could see him possibly being boosted up based on efficiency in red zone, but we have to see that first. That's something that's just guessing and hoping for the best here at this point. Well, we know Minnesota's all in on trying to compete this year. They already have a three and a half game lead on the Packers, and we're only half six and one. Yeah, they're six and one. I am. This is another like the Heinz trade. It's a great NFL move. You know, I think the Bills and the Vikings are focused on trying to win. They're not necessarily focused on trying to win you a fantasy game, and that's where. I have more faith that Hawkinson will remain relevant because of his position and also because of the player he is than Hines, but I'm not sure it boosts his. It doesn't definitely for me, it didn't boost his value. It may at best remain neutral. All right. The last big trade for us fantasy wise was Chase Claypool. The Pittsburgh Steelers were able to finesse a second out of the Chicago Bears, which makes no sense to me. Whatsoever. Wasn't Claypool a fourth too originally? He was. Well, and you know what's insane about this too is not only did they get a second for a guy who's been underperforming really for two years straight now. I know he says he's like the third best wide receiver in the league. He wasn't even third best wide receiver on his own team. Not only that, like we all kind of knew they weren't bringing him back, right? Like we saw him draft George Pickens. He's been kind of like not getting as much targets, not much love. And then Chicago, who does need wide receiver help, is just like, oh, no, we'll give you a second for him. Yeah, just send him over here to us. The one thing it flies I would, in the face of what Chicago has been doing, even up to the yeah. trade deadline, which has been dumping assets and 
collecting draft capital and, and cash. So where I find this interesting, um, and I wonder if they're doing this because they're going to end up paying Claypool, would be my guess. There's no way you give up a second-round pick, and then you're just going to let him walk next year. So I assume they're going to pay him. Well, he's under contract next year. Is he? He was only yeah. I'm I'm looking him up. He's wow. in year three of a four year deal. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've got him for two more years. I would still imagine they're probably going to end up paying him though. You, you second yeah. round pick for because like if they were sitting at six and one, it would make sense if you're like, oh well, we're going all in because Justin Fields has been amazing. We're trying to win a division, but they're not right now. I mean, they're they're not horrible, but. Where I think this could help out Fields is he is a big target that can go up and get the ball, but he's also he can stretch the field. I think it helps Darnell Mooney as well. I don't know how much I'd raise any of them by the move, but I do think it's at least a good move for Fields and the Chicago Bears offense. What are your thoughts? No, I that I think it's uh, it's good for Fields. It's good for Chicago. It's probably good for Claypool. Uh, like you said, he was in a milieu there. They have become a little bit of a lower volume pass offense. Who knows what the offensive future is there? Who knows what's going to happen with Kenny Pickens? They can they committed long term to Deontay Johnson. They just went and got George Pickens. They also have one of the best tight ends in Pat Fryermuth. Najee Harris is a good pass catcher, so they had options there. And I don't think Claypool was ever going to be the guy going to Chicago. That's a team that's starved for offensive playmakers and weapons. I think it's good for the development of Justin Fields that he has a bigger target. And like you said, he, he can go get the ball. He can make some big plays. I actually, I don't know how you feel. I think for me, Claypool comes in and instantly becomes the best wide receiver for the bears. Um, I noted that, you know, based on, the trade and the opposition that they're playing this week, I wouldn't necessarily be bullish on starting Claypool in week nine, but I think over time that's going to end up being a pretty, pretty good option. And I think his dynasty stock improved. Yeah. I I mean, like I said, I I do think it's a good move for them. I'm with you on that. Most of the time we don't see, well, I am a little bit worried about him coming over as we typically see when wide receivers come over in the middle of the season, especially to a completely new system, like this is not at all anything like that was run in Pittsburgh, that these wide receivers do struggle right off the bat. And that's why I think it was kind of amazing to so many of us that OBJ succeeded the way that he did in L.A. last year because he goes over from the Browns all of a sudden just was like showing us what we were hoping he was going to show us in Cleveland all this time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm with you on that. Like I'm not starting Claypool this week, but I would start him moving forward. It does give me – some or I am a little bit excited for not just for him, but for Fields because Fields has also looked better the past couple weeks. Like he's continued to look better and better. And I do think Claypool can help because while he may not be, you know, Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Amari Cooper or Devontae Adams, you know, any of these top wide receivers in the game. He's better than Equinemius St. Brown and Velas Harry, Harry, like I mean, I, I like wouldn't say I don't know that I, I don't know that he's better than Darnell Mooney, but like he's in he's gives them a I better actually option. do think he's better than Darnell okay. Mooney. So I mean he gives them then he comes in there and oh my god, I'm sorry. Um he comes in there and is immediately the best option then at that receiving mm-hmm. core where they have not had a good wide receiver core all year long. So it, I don't think there's any way but this being a stock up for both at this point. Your favorite guy, Mari Cooper, all he does is throw interceptions. 
hey, you know what? But he's been good. I can't uh, can't fault him. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. Speaking of Amari Cooper, the Browns win 32-13. The big news here for for the Bengals is Jamar Chase. I don't think any of us were expecting this news that dropped, I believe it was on Friday, Saturday. Six weeks. Six weeks for a hip flexor Possibly with also the like a the season. Yeah. yeah with partially torn labrum. Yeah. So bad, bad injury for Chase. Do you think that is what's affected the Bengals offense there Thursday night? I, th- I guess so. You know, I actually tended to think they'd be fine because I like Boyd and Higgins and they've gotten things going with Hurst. But you know, they had shown some improvement in their offensive line in recent weeks. That all went out the window Monday night. Joe Burrow was captain check down. Um, Mixon got nine targets to lead the team. He got sacked five times. Mixon couldn't run. Eight carries, 27, 3.4. I mean, the Browns, as you well know, have really struggled against the running game. I thought it was going to be a big game for Mixon, especially in light of what happened. Fantasy-wise, he ends up okay because he gets you about 10 PPR points thanks to his passing game production. But it looked pretty bad um, for Cincinnati, and that's actually a pretty troubling sign if they can't get it together. Um going forward because they were building some momentum after a slow start and it seemed like they regressed quite a bit there. Yeah. And it just sucks losing, at least in my opinion, one of the best wide receivers in the league too. Uh, I can't help the offense. They've just been a weird team all this year. We talked a lot about it. You know, while it's, it's hard to quantify, you hear NFL players, GMs, everybody talk about like the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. And I do feel like that's affected Cincinnati a little bit here. Um, hopefully Chase will be fine and we'll get to see him back this year, but it, it doesn't sound super promising at the moment. On the Brown side, they get a massive win here, or so it would seem, as they are now sitting at three and five, three games until Watson comes back as they do go into a bye week this week. Do you think that they are in contention to make a playoff spot? I was surprised to see them win, you know, and they have the bye. Coming out of the bye, last three games where you know Brissett is starting, at the Dolphins, at the Bills, home for the Buccaneers. I think optimistically they're four and seven. Yeah. I don't think they can beat the Dolphins. I don't see them beating the Bills. Maybe you beat the Buccaneers, could end up 0-3, in which case you're 3-8. and 8. 
I have been on the record as saying I don't think it's going to be 2019 Deshaun Watson when he comes in. It has been too long since he played a competitive game. We saw signs of rust. I, you know, good for him to get back into practice. Very few people, you know, roll out of that kind of a layoff, especially in a new town and a new team and right in there. And the atmosphere for his first eligible game on December 4th at the Texans is going to be nothing short of caustic. And then you're at the Bengals home for the Ravens. It's possible that even with Watson, they lose two or three of those first couple of games before you get some softer games with the Saints, the Commanders, and the Steelers. I I thought it was going to be a lost season, and then the way the Browns looked early, you thought, well, maybe Jacoby can keep him going. That four-game losing streak sucked a lot of air out of it. It was great to get that dominating win against the Bengals, but looking at what they have, you know, I if they had five wins by the time Watson came back, I think that would be a pretty stout accomplishment and miracle considering where they're sitting. And given where the AFC is, I think they're still too far out. Uh, I mean, no, I don't think that they will. And it's a little bit disappointing in the fact that realistically, they should only have one loss right now. And it's to the Patriots was the only team that's beat them, beat them. They should have had the Chargers, should have had the Falcons, should have had the Jets, all three teams, which they were up on. I still think they had the Jets. I I don't know how they lost that game and Baltimore. I mean, yeah, they no, that's what I said. Yeah, well, I was getting to Baltimore, but all three of those, all four of those teams, they were up on at the end of the game and let it go. And then Jacoby Brissett of the Ravens, when they were coming back, just bad play. And they ended up losing that game. They, uh, I shouldn't say they should have had the Ravens. They had a chance to kick a field goal to tie it. Maybe they yeah. go on to win that game. But had they won the games they should have won, then yes, I think they would be. But I'm with you. Like, realistically, Maybe the Dolphins, because the Dolphins are a little bit up and down, but I don't know if the secondary can keep up with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, which is kind of my fear there. But I do think that Dolphins is, I don't want to say a winnable game, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns won that game. They have no shot against Buffalo. Like, that ain't happening. Well, and Tampa Bay's a real enigma right now. I mean, the way yeah. the Browns played on Monday night and the way the Buccaneers have been playing, sure. But if Tampa Bay can get their S together, I mean – that That's, is a matchup of fascinatingly competing styles. Yeah. yeah uh, so, so is Miami. That's what scares me. Like the Browns want to be able to control and, and pound you with their running game. And the great thing against the Bengals is the Bengals didn't have that down the field threat, so they couldn't they couldn't keep up. But Miami, you're right. When they start chucking it around with, with Hill and Waddle, that puts a lot of pressure. Miami also has a somewhat killer secondary, which yeah. scares me if I'm – yeah, so I, I think if they were able to pull off two of those games, then maybe. But I'm with you. Like, I, I don't think that they will be. I, I do think it gives some hope for Browns fans. I mean, hope is the killer of everything, it seems like, nowadays. It's always next year for the Browns fans. The one thing I will say is, realistically, they should be sitting here with, like, one loss on the record, which Jacoby Brissett is their quarterback. So... I think with that, even if Deshaun Watson doesn't come back and play as 2019 Deshaun Watson, I think it's fair to say he's probably an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. 
So there is a chance that the Browns will be a good team next year, but I don't think like you have to have everything go right for you. I mean, not only do you need to, like you said, go at least two out of three right now and beating the the Dolphins. I just don't see how the Bills are. I don't see how they win that game at all. Josh Allen's got to get sick and be out. And even then, I think that's a question mark with how good that defense. Like like he's got to get he's got to get a little stomach bug. Like guys, I can't play today. Um, Wouldn't it be the ultimate like heartache that Josh Allen's out in case Keenum comes in and rails the Browns? No, he would. Um, but so you got to win two of those, and then they realistically have to go undefeated after that. They're like, there's just no way for them to, oh, that's, to lose. And game. I think a lot of people have just chalked up that once Watson comes back, they're going five and one or six and oh. Yeah. December football is not easy football. Everybody's been playing themselves into solid game condition. I I think people are prone to really gloss over the fact that it will have been almost two full seasons since he took a meaningful snap. That's. Yeah. That's a long time. And I know Houston's not a good team, as we're about to talk about in a minute. But that home crowd is going to be whipped up. And if that's going to be their Super Bowl, is to take him down a peg. Yeah, I think what will be interesting is to see how much they allow him to throw the ball early on. Like, the one thing I will say is, you get two pretty good matchups coming right out, though. Texans, that's a, that's an easy matchup somewhat to get going the Bengals, like i know the Bengals are a good team but the browns have just had the Bengals number like the past even when they have not had good quarterbacks they're beating the Bengals. so like i think there's still a shot to get that but then you do get the ravens the week of the week before christmas even at home that's not going to be an easy game like that i think is going to be watson's first real true test and even if they've gone two wins after that like again you have to go undefeated through the rest of your schedule to even have a shot at making and the playoffs. And probably get some help, especially yeah. if you only have four wins. Because we talked about it before. We thought 10 wins was the bare minimum to get in in the AFC. And even the way the season's played out, I still think that's going to be the case. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where it, like, it comes down to, again, I just I don't see it either, unfortunately. Again, had they won the games they should have won earlier, like I think we would be talking about, like, wow, like, the Browns could go 0 and 3 out of the bye and still have a really good shot of making the playoffs. Now, I think, you know, they couldn't take care of business early on and it's kind of cost them. Let's talk about that Thursday night football game. The only undefeated team left in the NFL, correct? The Philadelphia yep. Eagles are playing at the Houston Texans. No injuries of note here for the Eagles. Should we, though, lower expectations for the Eagles players this week in case they get some rest? Yeah, the spread's minus 13 and a half. I think that the Eagles will beat that. Um, Dennis made jokes about it being the the Gardner Minshew game on Monday, um, but I don't think he's totally wrong about that. I, you know, we the biggest thing we've seen on these Thursday night games is that it's been savage for teams in terms of injuries. Even last week, look at Baltimore. Bateman goes out, Andrews goes out, Gus Edwards goes out. They won, but they paid a heavy price for it. If the Eagles, the Eagles have been an incredible first half team. If they're up 28 points, I to me, I'm like, Boston Scott, you're about to get 30 carries. Um, because I just don't see the Eagles want to whether they can stay undefeated all season or not, I, I personally think that's a lot to ask. They want a high seed, and they have Super Bowl aspirations. You don't blow a Super Bowl by having by playing four quarters to get a four forty point victory and seeing AJ Brown blow his ACL. 
Yeah, I, I don't know that we see – we might see Gardner Minshew. I don't know that we see him until, like, late fourth quarter, though. Like, I, I still think that these teams w- don't want to just pull their players out because it's a game. Because that's the one thing, too, with Thursday Night Football. We've seen none of these games have been necessarily good. And I know that the Eagles are probably arguably the best team in the NFL right now. That doesn't mean that they're going to go into Houston and roll them. We saw even last week Jalen Hurts str- – hey, he struggled to begin the game, though. Like, I don't know that it's going to be this – I think that they – I agree with you that they'll cover, and I think they will by the end of the game, but I do think it will take a little bit of time because just this Thursday night game just seemed to take a little bit of time to get these teams going. It's usually the home team that plays well. The Eagles are going on the road here. So I, I think maybe you see Gardner Minshew, but I don't think it's like at halftime or anything. Like you see half the team sit and you get Gardner Minshew in the backups out there. I don't know. We've seen like, even against Minnesota, the Eagles rolled up like 28 points. They didn't hardly do anything in the second half. We'll see. I, I don't think that we'll see him again. Maybe we see him in the fourth quarter. But I don't think we see him much before that. Let's see here. The Texans. So the Texans injuries, Brandon Cooks is questionable, and Nico Collins is out. Yeah, they just downgraded him. Sorry, I just updated that. No, you're good. Uh, Aside from Damian Pierce, are there any Texans you're willing to play, and are you even willing to play Damian Pierce? I'm still probably playing Pierce. There are six teams on a bye this week, and that combined with injuries and uncertainty, like is Jonathan Taylor going to get Zach Mossed? Um, we'll probably have you playing Damon Pierce. Um, even last week when he had a, a tough yards per carry and they seemed to abandon the run game, he still got you a receiving touchdown. He just seems to be the most reliable piece. And, you know, I'm not thinking he's top 12, but do I hope that I can get uh, between 20 and RB20 and 26 and have him be RB2 or flex? Yeah. And that's probably all you're hoping for this week. Cooks, I just don't know what to make of it. He's been practicing. He's not been practicing because he has a wrist injury. He seems to be incredibly pissed off about not being traded. Their passing game in general has been a quagmire and Philadelphia's secondary is incredible. Their pass rush is incredible. I'm not expecting great things from the passing game of the Houston Texans. So it's Pierce because I probably need to and no one else. Yeah, I find um, that stuff with Brandon Cooks fairly interesting because earlier this offseason, he kept talking about how he didn't want to get traded and he only wanted to be in I Houston. I thought he made them put like a no trade clause in. They did. He yes, did. So. And now he's upset because he didn't get traded. It's, it's a weird world we live in. But yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm. I'm well, a they little... said Cook's like big supporter was Jack Easterby, and that he was really close with Easterby. I'm wondering if these are shots at Casario, and that now that Easterby got fired, he's. Mm, that makes sense. I um, I'm a little hesitant to play Pierce, but I do agree with you. I mean, six teams on by, you may not have another choice. Unfortunately, I'm I'm torn between him and DJ Moore, and I feel like if I put DJ Moore in that flex spot. <laughs> Moore is going to go back to getting me like four points a game. He's been outstanding the past two weeks on my effing bench. So, so in that case, like if that's your literal choice, I'm taking DJ Moore because I think Carolina has been playing a little bit more up tempo, and they are going against Cincinnati. I'm, so, I'm taking DJ Moore. Well, I know nobody cares about our fantasy teams, but I'm gonna we're gonna talk through this right here. So I'm starting Jalen Hurts. 
Chris Godwin, Gabriel Davis right now. Those are my top mm-hmm. three. My running backs, Ken Walker. Obviously, I lost Brees mm-hmm. Hall earlier this year. Now, Deion Jackson is still on the waiver wire. I have Jonathan Taylor. I only have to play two running backs. I'm debating putting Jonathan Taylor in as my second running back and mm-hmm. playing Deion Jackson if Deion Jackson is 100% pick up Deion Jackson, and then so, I would play more over Pierce. That puts my – my yeah. So then right now – Because the Colts are Patriots. and Yeah. Uh, my flexes are Cooper Cup, and then it's Damian Pierce. I have DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Isaiah Pacheco, Tyler Algier, Jeff Wilson. I just picked Jeff Wilson up, but I might drop him for Deion Jackson. I'd play more over Pierce in a flex, and I would hedge my bet on Jonathan Taylor by getting I'm Deion Jackson. I'm just so Jackson. worried he's going to go back to that like two-point game. Like I have not more? played him the past two weeks, and he's gotten 16 yeah. and 28, which I, I lost last week by four points. I mean, there's always a chance, but I think he got some mojo back. I think their team's got a little mojo back. And mostly Cincinnati's secondary doesn't incredibly scare me. I mean, you saw what Amari Cooper just did to them on Monday night. I'm not sure that uh, – Yeah. I'm not sure that P.J. Walker is demonstrably worse than Jacoby Brissett. All right, done. Jonathan Taylor in as RB2. We'll switch out with Deion Jackson. What a sad DJ state Moore. of affairs. I remember when Jonathan Love Taylor, I loved to see him on my – but this injury and yeah. the curious case of the Indianapolis Colts has really sucked my joy out of. The worst the worst part about this league, and the last thing I'm going to complain about before we get out of here, my record is 3-5. and five. I have a thousand and thirty points scored on the season. The next highest is a dude in first place who's six and two with nine hundred and eighty-eight. And I'm three and effing five and in ninth place. That's how frustrating this is. Gotta love fantasy football though, right? So we will be back on Friday to recap the game between the Eagles and the Texans, and we will also preview the entire Friday slate or Friday slate week. Nine and it was week nine, right? Yeah, week nine week NFL nine. slate. All right, everybody, we will talk to you guys again on Friday. Have a great day. Right now. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. God, leave. Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play?